Hey everybody, it's Mark England here, your host for the Highly Optimized Podcast. We have a very special guest on today. You know him, you love him, Ryan Sprague. Ryan Sprague. I'm interviewing Ryan Sprague on his 100th show, everybody. Ryan Sprague is a double podcast host of the Highly Optimized podcast and this this one time on Psychedelics podcast, a former goth kid in high school, an original OG and lifted level three certified coach, training camp for the soul grad, Paul Check's right hand man, attendee of all five, all five of the Enlifted Lake House Chronicles. He's known as the life of the party of amazing party scenes far and wide, a DMT breathwork specialist, lover of Rachel Veritimos, friend of Eddie Madden, and Boston native Ryan Sprague. How's it going, dude? Dude, that was the fucking sickest intro ever, man. I am so stoked to be here. This is like an inception point, right? Where I get to get interviewed on my own show. As soon as you brought this up, I was like, yeah, send it, dude. I'm buying that ticket and taking that ride. It's a pleasure to be here with you, my man. Likewise, dude. First off, Congratulations. Thank you. Because you've done something of significance. You set a goal and you achieved it. And it was, did you do it over a week? No, you've been you've been podcasting. How long? When was show one? It was December of 2019 or January, one or the other. So right around there. Yeah. So a couple of years now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And a hundred shows is is legit. What was your internal dialogue like? before you did show one? Oh, dude, great question. So a little bit of background too, because I don't know if I've ever told the story about how I even got to want to do a podcast. So for years, I was at the dispensary. And before that, I was super extroverted, but I wasn't around enough people consistently for them to like reflect things on me. And so I remember I'd be at the dispensary all high as hell on life, just talking to people nonstop because you know I love cannabis. And people would be like, you should start a podcast. You should have a podcast. And I was like, nah, everyone's doing it. I don't want one, right? And then I did this event called National Expungement Day at the dispensary where me and a buddy of mine, we hosted this event where essentially people that had nonviolent you know, crimes on their record from cannabis could come out and get their records expunged and all that kind of stuff. And when I was there, my buddy Devin, who I did the event with, his uh, buddy Shlomo showed up. And it was actually one of Shlomo's podcasts that he hosts showed up. Magic Mike and uh, I forget the exact name of the podcast, but they were hilarious, dude. This guy was like so in character. He was a gangster. So I start talking to them all. And Shlomo was like, hey, man, I heard you speaking up there. You should you should really have a podcast. And something clicked as soon as he said it. Where I was like, because at this point, I was really getting into like, I just felt this propelling of, of forward momentum. And so I was like, yeah, fuck it. And so a couple months went by. I ended up I've told this story before, but going to Las Vegas, having my crazy, you know, awakening moment in a strip club in Las Vegas, which is a crazy story in and of itself, came home and was just like so dedicated to getting into putting my voice out there. And that's actually where we met. In that time, I was getting into these heart flows and putting out like just pouring my heart out. And I did one on perspective, tagged you. That's how I found you. And then about a week or two after that, or right around the same time, I finally hit up Shlomo and was like, hey, I know it's been a couple months, but I'm ready to go in. And so I went over there, we met. And basically, he was like, yeah, man, just come in for episode number one. Let's rock it. So I invited Eddie Madden on, and uh, and it was the best thing ever. And so my internal monologue was a lot of like, oh, should I do this? Everyone's doing it. And then it switched to like, I don't care what everyone else is doing. I want to do this. And that was the big game changer. That switch before you did uh, the first first show, 
It did? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Like, you know, I was super nervous before doing the first show. Like, I mean, if you, <laughs> you know, because you've seen this journey, man, but if anyone listening hasn't gone back and listened to episode number one, just look at how fast I talked constantly. Like there was no, it was like a machine gun fire. And so, you know, I was super nervous. And then once I did it, I literally remember leaving the studio and being like, holy fuck, this is awesome. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like it was like, no, no holds barred. And then I was doing them bi-weekly when I first started. And pretty soon I was like, screw it. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing it weekly. And the reason that happened was because of you once again, because you knew I started the podcast. You've been on there. I think you were episode number six, if I remember correctly, the power of language. And I was in level two of Enlifted. And there was like 35 people in my class. Everyone was in there. Chris Marhefka, just all the, all the units were in there. And I had yet to meet any of them. And you posted a post in there in the, I think it was the Slack community back then that was like, hey, if you want to graduate level two, you got to go on the highly optimized podcast. And so overnight, I got like 35 people hitting me up being like, I want to go on. And so that was like, a huge level up for me. I remember I was doing six episodes a week at times. And it was like, it, that was when I really switched into like, oh, I'm doing this weekly. And then very soon after that, I was like, I want a second one. We can get into that. But it, it changed everything, man. The podcast was really where I started realizing a lot of my own unique gifts. Because, you know, like when you're you, you don't see things, people reflect them, but you're like, I don't know, it's just me, right? And so that was like the beginning of my self-awareness journey as well. It was really cool. <laughs> What does it feel like? So the, the feeling, mm. the energy, mm. the sensation of 100 shows under your belt. Dude, it feels like a mixture between a warm stick of butter melting over a big old pile of flapjacks and probably what Tommy Lee felt every single show of the Diva Molly crew in the 80s. It's like a combination of those two things. So it's like the rock star and the Buddha, right? All in one. That's what it feels like. The rock star in terms of like how excited I am every time I do a podcast. And the Buddha, how relieved and relaxed I am at the end of the podcast when I know like, oh, that turned out fucking even better than I ever thought it would be. That's the feeling. Uh, those are the feelings rather that I feel each and every podcast. It's, it's fucking amazing, man. Like, you know, I kept thinking, especially when I started the second one, is there going to be a point where like I get sick of doing this? It's actually gone the opposite way. Like I've joked with Rachel before of like, yeah, I'm going to start a third podcast. She's like, you can't do that. And I just mess with her all the time because <laughs> that's what you do to someone you love. You know, you mess with them. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's a mixture of Motley Crue and a warm stick of butter. <laughs> Has anything surprised you in the podcasting game? Like getting yeah. in and, and having, having you two podcasts, doing a hundred yes. shows on this one. Yes. Yeah, what's, dude. What, what's, what has surprised you? Man, so much. I mean, I would say everything has surprised me and I'll break it down to the things that most surprised me. Number one was that I can do this, right? Because it went from I could do this to now it's matter of fact, I can do this, right? And I am doing this actually is where it's at now. And it was also the other big awareness that I got was, oh, I can move through fear and still notice the fear and recognize it because every episode I do, I have butterflies, right? Like as I'm doing the intro, you know, I'm getting butterflies, my heart started to pound a little bit. And then as soon as I ask the intro question, I'm calm, cool, collected. And so it's, it's been a very interesting journey, man, of a lot of awarenesses and a lot of realizations. And, you know, one of the other things that surprised me too, is just how fast they've taken off. You know, I mean, especially this one time on psychedelics, you know, it was actually Brian Mooka that gave me that idea. We were literally going to a men's retreat in, in August of 2020. It was the second thing I went to right after I went to Lake house, Chris Marhefka invited me to the men's retreat they were doing in Colorado. And so we're all in the back of this like 16 person van. And I'm just like, you know, talking a mile a minute. 
and about psychedelic stories and whatnot. And Brian's like, you know, you should start a podcast called This One Time on Psychedelics. And in that moment, I knew I'm starting a second podcast. And so when that took off, it was super fun. And the it's main great name, thing, by the way, it, dude, it's the coolest thing. Like I, I think about it over and over. I'm like, man, that really is like just a fun podcast too, because you know me personally, everyone that's listened to me enough, I'm sure gets a good enough idea of me. Like I was talking to Rachel about this the other day. I love marketing, business, that kind of stuff. But my biggest passions are like the deep esoteric metaphysical stuff. And so getting like, I sometimes have to pinch myself to be like, I teach people cannabis for a living and I get to talk about psychedelics and how to optimize your life on the two podcasts I have. It's the coolest thing. And so one of the other biggest surprises I've had is, you know, how open people are to coming on podcasts, you know, because Mm. when I started this, I never thought that Paul check would want to go on this one. Like I just, you know, and, and actually I'll change that. Some part of me did, but it wasn't the loudest part of me. The loudest part of me was still running from insecurity, running from all these things. And then going through and lifted and actually like doing the quote unquote work and getting curious about how my software and hardware works and everything. I say it all the time, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And so that's been one of the things that surprised me the most is if you believe in yourself, anything is possible. And you hear that, right? Like a lot of people listening right now probably know that they can restate it to someone and feel like it's true, but it's different to know something and to realize something, right? To make something real for you and your experience of life. That's one of been one of the like probably the biggest surprise I've had is just even on the days where every voice tells me, no, you shouldn't believe in yourself. If you push through that and you choose to feel it, right? You choose to feel it and laugh at the devil. So he runs away and you choose to dive into that, anything is possible. I mean, it's still like my whole life is shocking to me at this point. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I, I I get that. I get that within lifted as well. You know, yeah. The the fact that it is where it is and what it is and who's involved, all the coaches, where it's going. It does something for the soul yes. to make shit happen. Yes. You know? And dude, you know, I imagine you had a similar thing to me, right? Like you spent a lot of years following some of the greatest people in the language world, learning from some of the best people out there. You know, David Avocado Wolf. I mean, so many other people as well. It's just one I remember off the top of my head. But I imagine during that time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did you ever have thoughts that were like, what am I going to do with all this stuff? Is this ever going to really work? You know, those types of things. Because I know when I went through all of the stuff I've been doing for the last, I'd say, 12 years, you know, there was always this, 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 I don't want to call it a fear, but challenge I came up against of like, am I going to do something with this? Is this going to work? And the thing that I always had was some amount of faith and it happened at the perfect time. Just like in Lifted did, right? Where you had vocabulary, vocabulary was doing great. But then when you started in Lifted, it was almost like the thing, right? And so that was like how I felt with Highly Optimized, where it finally made sense to me. And what I want to you know, reverberate for everyone listening is that if you're out there, if you're learning stuff, if you're getting reps in, be okay with that if it doesn't feel right to start your thing right now. Because if I had started my thing before, I mean, who knows? It might have ended up great, but it wouldn't have been highly optimized. And I got to tell you, I don't think there's anything I can enjoy more than running this business. It's so much fun. Yeah. I used to have, and we're at a, at a place. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm game. I'm mm. in for mm-hmm. 50 years. Mm-hmm. I can scroll. I can get on my calendar and scroll down. It's in my calendar. January 17th, 2057. That's when I walk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or if I am no longer needed, we're at a place now where I could step out. And we have a 
laundry list of gangster coaches that could step in. The curriculum is still being built and we're in the middle of writing the level two manual. So why I'm bringing this up, because you mentioned fear. I used to have, it was really weird, dude. I used to have this and I could feel it. It was a weight in my core, a fear that whatever this thing is. And I didn't, I, I was, I mean, yes, I was, I had started my practice, but this was like three years in. Now, this is like 12 years ago. Hmm. There's something in me that has to come out. And if, if I die before it comes out, I've, I've fucked up. I don't, I don't know what this thing is, but there's something in me that's got to come. It, it, was, it was tactile, dude. It was tactile. And every day that we're in the game and, and, and Lifted gets more and more sophisticated and built out, that pressure decreases. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like a literal weight coming off of me. Yes. What's the difference in the language of I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to do 50 podcasts? Mm. Well, it's less vague and it's more accurate. I mean, it's more uh, precise, right? Because if you go, I'm going to start a podcast. Well, when, right? Tomorrow, 10 years from now, when is it, mm. right? And even I'm going to do 50 episodes. Like when, when is it, right? Getting clear of like, I'm going to do one episode per year. And so therefore 50 episodes will be done, uh, you know, 50 weeks from now, right? Something like that. This is the biggest thing with language is that people, and I'm preaching to the choir here, but for everyone listening, I'll, I'll play along, you know, where your language creates your reality. So if your language is vague, your reality is vague and therefore your life is going to be vague. And therefore how you do anything is how you do everything. So everything in your life is going to be vague. Cause if you're saying, well, I'm going to start a podcast, you know, someday I'll start a podcast, right? Then you're probably saying someday I'll, you know, someday I'll have kids. Someday I'll get married. Someday I'll do this. And it's like, yeah, well, when is someday going to be the day, right? The difference is everything. The difference is in the belief. It's in the attack method. It's in everything. It's in the plan, right? Because when you know that you're going to do, say, 50 episodes, well, okay, at least you know then a goal. Then it becomes when are you going to start this goal, right? And how long is this goal going to take you? And then it goes from being a dream to an actual goal. Because one of the things that you talk about is if something's up in your head, it's just a dream. It's not a goal until you write it on paper. It's not actually, it doesn't actually come to fruition until you actually take action on that goal. One of the things that I've learned is that for a long time, what I did was I would look at a goal and I would almost uh, have way more desire than actual willpower. So say it would be like, as an example, I'm going to start this podcast and then I'm going to get the podcast to 50,000 downloads and I'm going to get it to this and that. And all of a sudden, it's just this such big like scope dream that you almost don't know where to start. And what I always tell people is, even if you move the needle 0.01% in the right direction every day, so long as you're moving it just the tiniest bit in the right direction, you're moving forward. But if your goals are vague, that's not going to be able to be done because how are you going to know what needs to be done and when you're going to do it? So it's everything, man. The language difference is, it means it's paramount. So are you telling me <laughs> that you architected your language to talk yourself into this thing? Oh, as a wise man once said, guilty as charged, you know? <laughs> so yeah. And dude, it was literally in lifted level one. I tell everyone about this as part of my origin story, that it was in lifted level one that started everything for me. I mean, that was when I met a bunch of icons on a screen on Zoom, right? And I was learning from everyone. And I remember thinking like, man, Benjoy Walker, dude, Jared Davis, they're so fucking ahead of where I'm at, right? And it was the best because it challenged me a lot, right? It challenged my ego super hard. Like, fuck, what am I even doing here? Oh my God. But then 
I got to learn from those guys. And now we get to hang out all the time and it's amazing. And so that course literally started everything because once I started actually getting clear on my language and my stories, especially being a projector in human design, right? My voice is my power. And so once I started actually learning how to wield that power in a very efficient and effective way, dude, everything changed for me because not only was I telling myself daily what I was going to do, but I was also reverberating that out with the podcast, with everyone around me, with my clients. And so it was a way to hold me accountable too. Because once I got accurate on my language, there was no getting away from it because I'm a pretty competitive person. So if I mm-hmm. tell someone, yeah, I'm going to do this and they hold me to it, well, I'm not fucking losing that battle. So if come hell or high water, I'm getting it done. And so that literally changed everything. Getting the stories, getting the, the language clear, dude, it was the biggest thing. It still is the biggest thing, you know? I'm constantly revamping my language. You know, recently I podcasted with Laurel, uh, Laurel Erica, such nice. a unit, you know, and uh, I know you guys have been talking to her too. And, you know, it's so fascinating how deep this rabbit hole of language goes. You know, I was listening to you guys on check too, and just so many things that I pull out that like maybe I didn't hear or didn't land the right way the first time or whatever that now are like, oh, that makes total sense. And so, yeah, it's it's been an evolving journey. And like anything in life, right? It was just taking that first step of getting into a lifted, trusting myself. I mean, I remember you asked me, you ever thought about being a coach? And I was like, yeah, totally. And I didn't even know really like what a coach did. I knew about them and I had a psychology <laughs> background. Yeah. But totally. I was like, but I was like, fuck, Mark England's talking to me. Like I had heard you on positive head. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to fucking say yes. And thank God I did, man. Cause something in my soul told me to say yes, you know, even though it was terrifying. And uh, that was the start of everything, man. It's pretty wild to think back to it. I mean, it seems like it was 10 years ago. It was only two years ago. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> What's up, ladies and gents? I wanted to take a second while I had your ear to share with all of you a very important announcement. Anyone who has been listening to the show for some time now knows that I am passionate about coaching and helping other coaches up-level their coaching practice. What I have noticed in working with hundreds of coaches is that coaches of all different types are facing challenges with being able to get their clients strong, consistent results, understand where to put their energy to allow their practices to thrive, stand out in the vast sea of coaches, move from imposter syndrome into trusting themselves, and ultimately make the money necessary to be financially independent in their coaching practice. The root of these issues comes down to a lack of connection with your creative force as a coach and entrepreneur. This is why we at Highly Optimized have created the Connect with Cannabis 10-week coaching certification program. The reason that cannabis is the focus of our program is because cannabis acts as imagination medicine. And in order to break free of these challenges, you must first be able to imagine yourself as the coach that is successful and has been able to break free of these challenges. When you are able to truly imagine and connect with the most powerful version of yourself, you can find the clarity to build your business, your authentic voice to speak directly to your clients, and the faith that you can overcome everything standing in your way. Once you have experienced and learned how to achieve these results for yourself, you will be able to offer this same unique skill set in your coaching practice to support your clients in overcoming their limiting beliefs and allow them to experience the breakthrough results that will make you stand out as the world-class coach you are. In this program, you will learn the science behind cannabis, how to experience the healing powers of cannabis, and how to facilitate these healing powers with your clients. With personalized one-on-one support on how to apply these frameworks into your business and weekly group calls within a community of coaches just like you, you will be equipped with a unique skill set that will allow you to get consistent, powerful results with your clients, feel confident in your coaching abilities, 
and allow you to gain financial independence while having the opportunity to wake up each day excited to share your important work with the world. For anyone listening who is hearing the call to set yourself apart and develop a unique set of coaching skills not found anywhere else in the world, jump over to the link in our Instagram bio and book a complimentary call with me today. Together, we will go over your current challenges in your business, your goals for your business, and decide together whether you qualify for a seat in the program. The next class begins April 20th, and spots are filling up quickly to be a part of the budding movement that is cannabis coaching. So book your call today and position yourself as a leading voice of how to work with this sacred plant medicine in your practice. Thank you all for your continued support and enjoy the show. Several things come to mind with, <laughs> with the dude on a, on a side note, we're watching a lot of the unlifted coaches just go for shit. Dude, it's it fucking is awesome. Crazy. And it's, it's so, so fun. enjoyable. Yes. It is so enjoyable. Jeff Oaks. Just talking to him yesterday, uh, we're, he and I are going to speak sometime this week. He just went down and presented at Jeffrey Gittimer's event in person, mm-hmm. led breath work, talked about Mace. That's a big deal. That dude is a big deal. Uh, yes. Jeffrey Gittimer and his clientele are hitters, dude. Hitters. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Gittimer was so impressed with Jeff Oaks, he brought him down for that. And so, dude. what the fallout of that and like, you all are impressive. <laughs> Likewise, bro. Takes impressive to know you impressive. All, you know? <laughs> dude, you all are impressive, man. For the sake of, of good storytelling, mm. let's tell everybody how we got connected. Because that's just chalk one up to Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. Dude, I know we talked about it a little bit, but I'll dive into detail. It's one of my favorite stories. When I got back from Las Vegas, uh, I'll kind of jump through part of the story so we get to the unlifted part. But basically, I had this awareness after an MDMA journey that I needed to stop interacting with cannabis. Because like at that point, I was in the industry. It was like super unconscious use. I was around people that didn't respect the plant. I wasn't respecting the plant. Like I, It was a huge awakening for me. And so I got back, took like two and a half, three months off. And during that time, I just started pouring my heart out. Like I just had like this connection all of a sudden, like, whoa, emotions. Finally, I can feel things again. And so I believe it was the perspective post. Like this, this shows you how long ago it was. It was literally on Facebook. I didn't even have Instagram. I didn't use any spaces. It was literally just a fucking gigantic paragraph. And in there, I started talking about how language affects your perspective on life. Cause I had heard you on positive head where like, literally I remember it, right? Cause me and little bubs, we were both working in cultivation at that point. The new company had taken over and they needed a lot of help in a lot of different areas. So we were trying to do what we could. So I was like, hey, even though I usually do patient care stuff, I'm like, let me hop back and grow. That's my passion anyway. And they grew in a way that I didn't, you know, um, I didn't support, but I was like, fuck it. You know, I've been at this company, I'll help them out. So when we were back in cultivation, you're working on thousands of plants and like, what are you going to do? You're just going to listen to podcasts. So me and her at that point were obsessed with positive head. And so we were both in the same room pruning and, you know, uh, trellising whatnot, uh, these plants and we both sync up the same episode and be like, all right, ready, play. And then we'd, we'd walk around and do our thing. And then we'd come together at certain points and be like, oh my God, did you hear this thing? Do you hear that thing? And so we heard you on there. And I literally remember it was something that like, when we heard you on that podcast, it changed something for us. We were like, wow, this guy sounds fucking awesome. And then literally like another year and a half goes by. I end up going to Vegas, go through that experience, come home, start like pouring my heart out. And I mentioned you on there. And, and I, I mentioned language at first, some woman comments and goes, Hey, 
that language stuff's cool. Where'd you hear about that? So I tag your name in there on Facebook. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. And I tag you on there. And that I thought was going to be the end of it, right? Like, you know, who am I to get hit up by Mark England, right? And so an hour later, I get a voice note, first of all, right? Like at this point, I was still texting everything. I didn't even know about voice notes and the amazingness of those. I get a voice note from you. Hey, man, uh, I really like what you're writing. We should hop on a call. I'm like, all right, sick. So I call Rachel. I'm like, holy shit, I'm talking to Mark England. It's going to be sick. We hop on a call and literally like within five, 10 minutes, you're like, you ever thought about being a coach? You should really look at being a coach. And at this point, like I said, I didn't exactly know what a coach did. I knew the the realm they were in. And I knew I'd always been interested in psychology. And something clicked for me in that moment where I was like, I wonder if this is where all of my interest in things like psychology start coming out more. And so then you told me the program price. I had pretty much that much money to my name at that point, right? I think it was like 2,500 at the time or whatever. And I think it was group four that I was in. I'm pretty sure it was a pretty early on in the Elifted game. And um, yeah. And so I called Rachel. I was like what do I do? And she's like, well, what does your heart say? I'm like, uh, hell yes. She's like, all right, do it. And so that's how we met man on Facebook. Literally it's that easy. And for everyone listening, don't ever think that the people that you listen to that you get inspired by are not excited to talk to you because if they're real, that's what fires them up. You know what I mean? Like that was the thing immediately that caught my eye about you is like, dude, here's this guy that's doing a lot of shit in the world and he's interested to talk to me. Right. And that's like, for me, a huge clue. And that's how I do all of my social media and everything now, right? When people hit me up, I send them a personalized voice note back. And half the time they're freaked out. They're like, whoa, I didn't expect to get. And, and I'm like, listen, like this is what I love more than anything. If I wasn't doing this, I wouldn't have so much of the pleasure I have in my life because meeting people and being a connector, I mean, you're a five one as well in human design, right? So the five ones, it's just guilty as charged. We're just social people. Like we love guiding people, helping people. And so it was amazing to meet you, man. And little did I know at that point you were a five one also along with Angela Cisco and Danny Rios, who are two of my other best buddies in this world now. Yeah, man, literally through Facebook, you know, a platform that has a lot of negative connectivity to it. You know, I got to meet you. I've met so many people through Instagram and Facebook. And so that's why when people talk down on social media, I'm like, listen, I get it. Like, I totally get it. And with great power comes great responsibility. The opportunities there are limitless, but it's also really easy to get stuck in a scroll hole and lose your fucking soul diving down everyone's problems, especially on Facebook, you know, it's all on how you use the tools, you know, use the tool. Don't let the tool use you. <laughs> it was fate, dude. Yeah, it was fate. I yeah. binary negation. Now I never check notifications. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, I'm checking notifications. This is interesting. And I saw what you wrote and I was like, this guy's cool. I want to talk to him. <laughs> yes. That just like that. Yeah. Uh, Voice mails. Let's go. Let's go on uh, over here and talk about that mm. because they're awesome and they work. Yeah. So sending people personalized voice messages. Here's the story, folks. So speaking of David Avocado Wolf, 2013, I go to one of his Longevity Now conferences in Orange County, and there was a guy who was giving a 15 minute presentation guy named Kyle Cease. Okay, cool. He's a comedian. Okay. Um, all right. There's there's thousands of people there. And he goes on for 15 minutes and is hilarious and wise. And he said, uh, hey, I'm doing a, a an event, three-day event in September. And and I've, I, I go, I attend. And at the end, he's pitching three tiers of working with him. Okay. And I pick the top tier 
for $10,000, which was an eight-week program, and you get two days with him. Just you go and hang out with him. Two days. Mm. Pretty cool. Mm. I, was, I was thinking to myself, because that was a lot of money for me. That was by far the most I had invested in anything like that up until then. And um, I was like, I wonder what I'm going to get out of this. And I was a little farther ahead, so to speak, than most of the people there. He actually had me cover one of the classes that I was in. Um, <laughs> and when we, I went to hang out with him, we really just drove around and did Kyle C shit. It was like <laughs> nothing profound, nothing, nothing. And that motherfucker upsold me for an extra day for 2K. And he did it with a voicemail, actually a video. He recorded a video. It was one minute long. Hey, Mark England, this is Kyle Cease. Just want to let you know that you can get an extra day with me on that that two day weekend for two thousand dollars. And some geese flew by, and he goes, "Those are geese." And he put it on, <laughs> put it on YouTube, <laughs> and he sent me the thing, and I coughed up the money. And out of the whole thing, what I got out of that is the power of personalized voicemails. And I, you've you've seen what we've done, what I've yes. done as far as kickstarting this thing. And a lot of it has come down to messaging people with voicemails. So folks, if you've got something to do, if you've got somewhere to send people to your podcast or to your business or you're hosting an event, reach out to people on social media and send them a personalized voicemail. It will shock them and they will respond. There's my two, three cents on it. Please. Yeah. Tell, I tell mean, us. dude, you know, you're hundred percent right. And not only did I not realize, like I fucking hate texting. Like I'll be the first one to oh, say like texting slow. is so annoying. Right. And so when I figured out voice notes, the first couple I sent were pretty scary because of course I'm like, Oh, like, you know, who am I to do this now? It's like, literally if someone's like, Oh, I can't hear your voice notes. And I have to text. I'm like, God damn it. Right. And so what I think it is, is I heard this recently somewhere that Basically, when we have a conversation with someone, right, and we're actually speaking with them, there's an energetic exchange, right? And there's either battery charger, battery drainer, right? We know that like either someone that charges you up or someone that's like maybe depressed and like they bring you a little bit down, but you get some sort of energetic, you know, exchange as a result of having that conversation. When you're texting, it takes energy from you, but it doesn't give you anything back. And so for everyone listening, especially if you're someone who in your business, you need to talk to a lot of people. It's a quick and easy way to burn out. If you like burning out, just texting everyone because you're not having any energetic exchange. If you're at least hearing someone's voice, you can hear their energy and energy is three-dimensional. So there's different aspects to it. But one of the biggest aspects is the, is the vocal aspect, right? Like what energy is being conveyed in your voice. And so even if you're talking through Zoom, even if you're on Instagram, on Facebook, I highly recommend, like you said, Mark, sending voice notes because it makes you more personable to someone, right? And I highly believe this, that people don't buy your service, they buy you, right? Mm. And, and a lot of time, especially in coaching, what I've realized is people don't even really care about what your service is so long as they believe you can help them. And a big part of that comes down to your energy and your confidence and your charisma and these types of things. This is why I've been so fascinated recently with there's this woman that was on Impact Theory. I think her name is Vanessa. Um, but she writes these books. Uh, she wrote one called Cues. And it's like learning a lot of like, you know, nonverbal cues, the difference between warmth cues and, and uh, competency cues and all of this type of stuff. And, you know, when you're able to connect with someone in that way and show them your energy, it's almost a way for them to be able to trust you more as well. And the idea of coaching and, and really anything is 
you know, people, people are craving undivided attention. I mean, I think attention is the most valuable resource in today's world. I mean, look at marketing, look at all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one time I thought it was time, but I actually think it's attention now. And so if you're giving a voice note to someone, you know, the idea is that you have more of your attention there. They, they can sense it, right? Because you're, you're in it. They can sense your energy. Your, your full undivided attention is on them. And that shit is addicting, man. Like, like if someone knows that you're going to pay attention to them and be friendly with them and all of these things, they're going to want to work with you so much more than if you send a text, even if your service is fucking amazing, it can change their whole life. It kind of goes both ways. If you have a beta run of something you're just thinking of, but you're able to connect with someone more personally and show them with your energy that you can help them, they're going to buy your product 10 times out of 10 over the person who has the best program in the world, but just texts everything. I truly believe that. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show. And I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom-branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever. Dale Carnegie said it in his famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. People's first name is the most powerful word in their language. Mm. And people people want to work with real people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And somebody sends you a voice note. I mean, how many times is some I I know we're we're investing a lot of our minutes here, our time talking about this because it's so valuable, it's folks. It's powerful. Every single I have hammered this rock. In the enlifted community, for the enlifted coaches to send voicemails, and everyone who has employed it, they're making things happen. It's a, it's a game changer. It is literally a twelve thousand dollar piece of marketing advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, one hundred percent. It's so much more interactive. How many times have people gone? Oh my god, I can't believe you sent me a voicemail. So many times. It's it's wild because. Number one, that was quite a bit of imposter syndrome that came up for me when it first started happening. 
it was especially after I started going on some bigger podcasts and whatnot, and people started reaching out to me. And, you know, they'd be asking about grow or something. And just like, I don't know, maybe you can help me. And I'm like, hey, man, like, I'd love to help you more. Let's hop on a call. Let's chat. And they're like, holy crap, like you're available. And it's like, dude, this is what I love to do. And I think there's so much, quote unquote, fakeness in the world of social media. And I think it is leaving in a big way now because people don't want to see you with a fake Lamborghini anymore. They don't want to see you with all this stuff. If the pandemic did one good thing, it allowed people to realize, cut the bullshit. Like, I just want to know who you really fucking are. Right. And if you can't show me who you really are, I don't have any time for you. Right. And that's that's how I operate. Right. It was the biggest game changer for me. And and it was so wild when it started happening because I started realizing like I knew that these are powerful when I was getting them, right? And I'd hear someone's voice and be able to connect to them or even better, like a video with their voice. And and when it started happening to me, I was like, wow, it was kind of like full circle because then I got I got to actually like receive the same insight that I had given so many times to people who sent me voice notes. And so I think some of the best things in life are when things like that come full circle and you get to not only experience it, you know, having someone that you look up to message you like you did, but also having someone else reflect that back to you. It's like, wow, that's fucking cool. You know? And that's like, dude, I think the real special sauce to life is connection. It's the people you have in your life that matter most, at least for me. And with me, like I get 100% of my battery charged by who I talk to each day. And it's really like playing chestnut checkers, right? Where, you know, I have certain people like, for instance, Mr. Morningstar that I talk to, you know, multiple times a day, Rachel, you know, certain people like you'll send me voice notes. I got your fucking birthday card yesterday, by the way, that was fucking hysterical or your hundredth episode card, dude. The best thing. Can I can I share with everyone what you sent me for my for for the hundredth episode? I forgot about that. <laughs> dude, dude. All right. So everyone, this is when you know you have rad friends, right? Dude. So yesterday, uh, little bubs and I, Rachel Veritimos, for you guys that don't know my partner. Imagine you guys all know her by now, but we get back to my house. I get in my mailbox and I see a priority mail little box. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I see on it marking on, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fucking good. So I go inside, I open it up, and inside is a card that says, uh, I think it said, uh, happy 100th episode, motherfucker, or something like that, which was awesome. And then there's dick pills in there, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, at least I'm pretty sure they were dick pills. I'm pretty sure. Gas station and then, dick pills. There's yeah, a and whole then, story there. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And then the most gangster pipe, dude, of this fucking girl that's naked on a pipe. I'm going to have to put a picture up with this episode to show people because there's no amount of description that could do it justice. But dude, it made her and I laugh so fucking hard. And that right there is what life's about. That is it. Like that is the special sauce. When you get to meet people and then they're able to understand you in a way where they know what's going to make you giggle and laugh and have a cosmic giggle. That is the best part of life bar none every single time. That's why I literally will always say yes to the right gatherings of people. Because having solid friendships, brotherhood, sisterhoods in this world, nothing beats that. I've, I've done a lot of different plant medicines. I've had a lot of different highs. Nothing beats the high of connection, in my opinion. It's the it's, best. It's so true. So <laughs> uh, Hermitage Grocery mm. over near Brooks Meadows House and, and Chopper Dave Robinson in Northside, specifically Lakeside and Richmond. <clears throat> I go in there and they have these pipes. and just, I mean, atrocious pipes. What would happen if you pulled that out at like a show or something? Dude, it's like you'd either get do that's fucking awesome, or like because we live in the PC world now, like oh my goodness, and that's the exact like reaction right. I want. It's the same with my my flower, right? My cannabis. I always yeah. say that I love having one strain that I cultivate that has like a really seriously offensive odor. And the way I always say it is like I want one strain of mine to be that kind of flavor and taste. Where if I, I let someone smell it who doesn't smoke weed, they'll be like, oh my 
oh my God, why, why is that a thing? And so that's what that pipe is. It's essentially the offensive odor cannabis that I like. It's the perfect pairing, you know? <laughs> Dude, it's, yeah, it's got this naked girl on there. It's, it's, it's poorly made. It's, yes. it's, it was six bucks, dude. dude. Six bucks. And then, <laughs> and then some gas station dick pills, which are, are absolutely hilarious. I collect those things like trading cards. Yeah. There's a, there's a story all back, like the names they're they got holographic things on them. Like this, the, the packaging is fun and it's, it's hilarious, dude. I sent. So after, um, after resilience, Taylor Morgan and I, we took, this is about six weeks ago. Oh, you know, Taylor ago. Morgan too. Yeah, dude. He just enrolled in level one and level two. He bought the, um, dude. yeah. So he comes out to resilience. This is a workshop that we ran. Let's just say a month ago in Richmond, myself, instructor, Aaron Gennetti, self-defense training. Uh, I will neither confirm nor deny that we were shooting firearms. And then Brandon <laughs> Powell, breathwork. So it's a very dynamic. And yeah. he came out and we took the tables that we rented back. He, he, he went with me. And so we went on this adventure in the hood of Richmond. We went to these two convenience stores that I used to cut grass. My dad owned stores back in the day. And I bought, I bought him like six, seven of the, of the craziest gas station dick pills. And he took them to the strong coach summit and stuck them in a, a refrigerator and got over in the corner and recorded people as they came along and opened it. The, and they're like, what the hell is this? It's the best. They're the best conversation starters ever. I can walk into any party and dump those things on the table and ice broken. Fast. Dude. It's dude. Fast. You know, it's really funny about it too. Is, I don't think I've ever told this story on a podcast yet, but I used to work at a porn store, right? So like literally when I was 18, I went in to buy a new bong, right? Or quote unquote water pipe, as you had to call it back then. And I literally went into my friends. We were baked out of our minds and we go in there and they had a now hiring thing. And I had just quit my job at Staples. And I was like, there's no way I'm going back to Staples. Like that is like, you want to talk about my nightmare, dude? It's smelling the smell of a store of staples. That's where the whole office supplies thing that I came up with. Okay. Like, you know, like, oh, that smells like office supplies. Like that smells like the store staples, like just like dead inside. And so I saw this, uh, this hiring thing and I was like, fuck it. So I filled out an application being funny. And the next day they called me and I was like, oh, I do need a job. So I went in there and I ended up working there for like two years. And, uh, the big dick pill at that time was stiff nights. And dude, people used to come in in droves and get those things. And then I had to like test dildos for like usually older women. And like I got to feel, I imagine a little bit of what it's like to be a woman in just any average day world where you get treated like a piece of meat. And it was a very interesting time in my life because I was 18. Here are these like 40 plus year old cougars coming in, just being like, hey, can you help me Winking test it out in the back you. room? And they're, yeah, and they're laughing with their friends. And like literally, I'm like, I'm being over encumbered here. Like literally, I have no power here. It's, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was the best, best experience ever. That store ended up burning down. Dude, crazy story. So some guy, there's a gas station across the street from it. And some guy went over there, filled up a five-gallon jug of gas. And then when he was done, looked at the attendant and said, want to see some magic? And ran across the street, dumped the whole gallon of gas over the roof, and literally burned it down. It was fucking crazy. And they rebuilt it now, and it's much better. It was it was terrifying when that store was still around because it was it was like pretty much falling down. And so... It was such an interesting story. This guy literally said, want to see some magic, then ran across the street like a psycho and just poured gas all over it and burned it down. No one was in there. It was closed. But it, thank God. But it was, I mean, crazy stories, man. I've never told that story. So it's the first time. <laughs> stiff nights? Yeah, stiff nights, dude. 
Yep. What, what did I send you? Rhino 69? Yeah, Rhino 69. Yep. Rhino 69? Yep. First time I'm telling this story <laughs> on, on, on a show. So about three years ago, I've been in the, the gas station dick pill game. I still haven't taken any. Uh, and I, I collect them. Yeah, I've been in the gas station dick pill game for, for about three years. I'm driving from the farm into Richmond on Route 60. And about 10 miles outside of Richmond in Powhatan County, there's a BP on the right if you're going into Richmond. And I stopped to get some gas and some gas station coffee because I like gas station coffee. <laughs> and there's a, a woman behind the counter who's 65 years old, skinny, and looks like she's been smoking three packs of cigarettes for 59 of those years. Yeah. You know what I'm like, like a, yes. basically a piece of beef jerky yes. with, with shoes on. Yes. And they have this, it's behind, behind plexiglass because they're $10 each and you know, somewhat easy to pocket. And I could see, you know, high school kids trying to steal those things. Yeah, they're yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. And I'm looking at all these different gas station dick pills. And the one that caught my eye, which started this whole thing off, it was called swag. S dot W dot A dot G dot. And it stood for sex with a grudge. And it had (laughs) take one. So take one. And then the picture was this uh, stick man with a large erection flexing and the woman is on the ground with smoke coming out of her vagina and a big smile on her face. Oh, my God. It said, take <laughs> one to hurt it. And then, because it was two, it says, take two to kill it. Oh, and my then, God. then the next picture besides, beside the take two was this dude super flexing, even bigger erection. And the woman is on the ground with X's on her eyes and flames coming out of her vagina. And this woman behind the gas station, this is exactly how it happened. She goes, I go, do people buy these things? She goes, yeah, they buy a lot of them. And and I'm like, "Uh, I'll take the sex with a grudge. And she, she got it out and gave it to me. And, and she goes, I, I understand. Hurt it. But do you really want to kill it? Oh my and God. I just I died laughing inside, kept the poker face, yeah. and and then I just I I started collecting them, and now it's other people are collecting. Like Dude. the best icebreaker story: but buy some gas station dick pills, folks, different varieties, and go take them into a party and drop them down, uh, and and, and just walk off. Watch what happens. Dude. Promise, promise. It's so It'll funny, work. man, because like. You know, when I was a uh, a youngin, probably like God, I'd say around 12, there was this gas station up the street from my house. You know, we would go there and it was like very interesting. They had like 24 ounce Mountain Dews, like weird sizes of everything for like way less than other places. And one of the things they'd have was like all these different types of pills. Right. And they had like these ginseng pills. I actually still have some of them, uh, but they had these energy pills. I forget the name of them. But dude, I took one of those one time. And literally felt like I was itchy all over. Like, you know, that feeling when you're just like, it's almost like niacin where you're like, I just feel like I'm itchy all over. And so I get curious, right? Because like when I was working at the porn store, people would come in droves and buy a lot of the stiff nights and some other stuff too. Um, What was the other one? It started with an E. It was like Excel. It was really big at that time. Um, Fuck, I forget the name of it. I can picture the writing in my head. It used to be like on on ads and stuff too. Uh, I would see it online. But 
I just kept wondering, like, what is the effect of one of those things? Like, that's got to be intense because who knows what's in that? I mean, like supplements, they don't have any they don't have any FDA regulation, which the FDA is not the best, but at least it's some amount of regulation. But like, who the hell knows what one of those things actually feels like? I'm very glad I've never had to take one. but It's shocking. You know, I mean, I'm just fascinated by it. (laughs) Hello, everybody. I hope you're all enjoying the show. I wanted to stop by and fill you in on our brand new, completely free to join Facebook community called the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle. I imagine many of you are aware of our newest creation within Highly Optimized, which is the Connect with Cannabis Certification Program. Alex and I are having so much fun empowering coaches with the skill set of coaching with cannabis and helping them up-level their coaching practice that we wanted to create a place where anyone could join to ask questions receive free information on how to work with cannabis in the way we teach in the program, and be able to gain clarity around how to get the best results with their clients in order to become financially independent in their coaching practice. To join, hop over to the link in our Instagram bio and send us a request. It is our intention to assist as many coaches, facilitators, and healers as possible in the important work they are doing in the world. And if you were looking to join a community of like-minded individuals just like you who are passionate about helping their clients achieve the highest quality of life possible, the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle is for you. I am looking forward to speaking with all of you in the group. And as always, enjoy the show. What's the one piece of advice, the most important piece of advice Mm. you can give someone who is considering starting Mm. their own podcast? What I would say is take the time that you think you're going to be ready to do it. So say you're like, okay, I want to start this podcast. And maybe your language is something like, I think I'm going to start it in two months. Okay. Cut that time in half, right? Because already you're stalling, right? You're spinning your wheels. Your first episode is probably going to be weird as hell. Go back and listen to mine, right? I'm guilty of this and fully charged with how guilty I was. But at the same time, the best advice I can say is take messy action, take, use that momentum and just start, start somewhere. Because once you know where you start, you then can evaluate yourself and go, okay, this is what I want to do to get better. This is what I'm going to need to do to get more guests, yada, yada. But you won't know until you start. And I know so many people that are waiting for the right time in in quotations. I was one of these people. I'll I'll start my own thing eventually. When I know exactly what I want to do, I'll I'll start. Can I tell you like how many things I've gone through since I started highly optimized? Like I started with I'm going to do cannabis education. Then I went into strictly language coaching. Then I started mixing in transformation coaching and language coaching and all of these things. Then Alex and I, when I teamed up with him, knew we were going to create a self-development program called Be Your Own Guru, all based on how to uh, have self-awareness and guide yourself through life because the age of the guru is dead. And then literally in May last year, we, after a retreat we hosted, we realized, oh, we're going to do cannabis. And so if I had waited to know the thing I would, was mm. going to do, I'd still be waiting because I would have never known. You're not going to know what you want to do until you try things out and you just see how they feel for you. You know, So my best advice so is true. just start. Just fucking start. It's, it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It is. What's your, what's your best Eddie Madden story? Oh, dude. Eddie Madden, I got a couple different stories. And uh, all right. So here's, here's one that like, if for anyone who knows me, you'll understand why I love this story so much. So I love breath work, right? Anyone who's been around me when uh, I've been interacting with cannabis or other medicines knows that I love to spontaneously do breath work. And so when I meet people like me who love to do breath work at pretty much any time of day, and the way they do it is very Bostonian in nature, just hit it, lock it, squeeze it, see what happens, right? That was Eddie. And that is Eddie. And so he was telling me a story one time that it was after an ice and iron. 
which for everyone listening, Eddie and uh, Rob Carney and Jordan uh, Chartier, they do a monthly meetup here in Boston called Ice and Iron. If you're local, come to it. It's lit AF. And so they had a they had a, a whole Ice and Iron day. And one of Eddie's one-on-one clients was going to come by later to do some breath work in private. So they went into his kitchen and they were sitting on high chairs, and uh, which is a no-no. But you know, again, when you've done breath work enough and you're like, I've never passed out, you're you're not gonna you know you're not gonna try to do anything. And so you're like, oh, high chair will be fine. Him and uh, his client, they're doing breath work. And in Eddie's exact words, he goes, dude, I fell off the chair. Like I passed out. I straight whited out. I fell on the ground. And when I landed on the ground, all I could see in my head, all I thought I was, was a toaster. Like he, I just thought I was a toaster. Like I hit the ground and the only image that came to my head was a toaster. And he said, literally, I became a toaster. And I started to live the life of a toaster. Like I felt the rungs inside. I felt them get hot. I felt like the cold, you know, metal exterior. And dude, at this point, I am doubling over about to puke from laughing so hard because I've had some weird experiences with breath work. And so I knew exactly what he was talking about. But like for anyone who knows Eddie, he's like a big teddy bear. And so the way he's saying it is like with this childlike innocence, like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just turned into a toaster. And that was one of the funniest stories ever. The other funny story was this past year, I have this big 3rd of July party every year at my house. My It was my dad's ritual. Uh, when he passed, I took it over. So I've been having this party. Uh, my my town has the fireworks. I live five minutes in the beach on the third of July. You got to come this year for sure, Mark. It's going to be fucking. This is awesome. one of my questions. When we yeah, do, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So last year, Alex Morningstar, Jody Morningstar, fly in. Josie's here. Brian Osuna. I don't know if you know him yet. I don't know if he's unlifted, but he comes through. A bunch of people that I've been. Danny Rios was here with Ira, and so like it was just like the best. But also, it started pouring out, and I mean like pouring out like we've had rain on the third before this was like i honestly think one of the worst rainstorms i've ever experienced in my life on the third of july and so what do we decide the day before we knew it was going to rain we didn't know how hard but i decide they're like do you want to reschedule it i'm like no fuck that everyone's here we're going to go to ocean state job lot i'm going to buy like six canopies and then we're going to buy like a couple hundred feet of tarps and we're going to put the canopies i have a big driveway you've been here i have a big driveway in the back so I'm going to put six canopies up and then from my high roof, I'm going to take tarps and string them all the way across to my garage. So we'll have this like whole area blocked off. And I had Shlomo coming to DJ because uh, I always have DJs coming. I had the pool open. We I had ice and iron coming here to do a full ice and iron day. So ice baths. We had Jared Davis, who also came here, um, set up a whole entire kiddie pool full of gelats for us, which if anyone doesn't know about that, <laughs> yes. hit me up. So like we had everything going. And so. The morning comes, it's starting to rain pretty good. We get all the canopy set up and we're trying to get this tarp set up, but like the wind is insane, right? So I'm talking like people are starting to show up now. It's around two in the afternoon and Eddie is like my point man, right? Him and Alex, like we're just like hustling. And so we get all these tarps tied together and they were shitty quality tarps too. And I just, I'll never forget Eddie in his fucking, uh, cause he's a football coach too. He's got his football jacket on his windbreaker. And he's got his glasses on and he's just full Bostonian. He's like, he's like, listen, like the, the paver in him came out because he does paving with his father. The, the full paver came out of him. Where he's like, listen, guys, we got to get this done today because we're acting like this is a party tomorrow. We got to get this done. Right. And so we're all up. He is on a fucking ladder, dude. The fucking wind is blowing him. He's fucking drenched. He's just like literally uniting his way into uh, like getting the right orders done. And we end up getting this whole tarp city made. And we end up having a full-blown rager in a fucking straight up, pretty much a nor'easter was pretty much what it was. A monsoon. And, yeah, a monsoon. And we had a DJ going. We had Josie back her truck up. And we had like a big cuddle puddle in the back of that with the tarp over it. 
And it was funny because every once in a while, because these the tarps were like in between the the canopies, every once in a while, someone would be standing and all of a sudden the tarp would rip and they'd just get fucking drenched with water. And mm. I'm talking like there's lightning going on. It was insane. And so that's my two favorite stories, Eddie, the toaster and just him like up on a ladder like this is spartering like basically this party to get going. It was the fucking funniest thing I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> you want to hear my Eddie Madden impersonation? Please, dude. Mark, you, you, you think they built these buildings with horses and buggies? Buggies? <laughs> Tartarians. There, there were mud floods. Multiple. Multiple mud floods. They didn't build them with horses and buggies. <laughs> dude, that is so spot on. And one of the things that Come I forget who uh, after Adam Chin had met Eddie, because Adam, for everyone listening, Adam came to the retreat that Alex and I hosted with the Ice and Iron guys. We had just the best fucking time. It was so much fun. And so that's when Adam got to meet Eddie. And and I already knew, like, I can just tell when people are going to be like best friends. And I already knew I'm like, sure. Eddie, when you find a lifted dude, it's it's over. Like, you're going to love this group so much. I remember the next lake house. Adam was talking to you about Eddie. And one of the things he said was, Dude, Mark, you're going to love this guy. Both of you guys fall asleep to conspiracy theories every night, right? And that was like one of the funniest lines I've ever heard. And it's so accurate. And it's why I love you and Eddie, because I'll go over Eddie's. We'll connect with some cannabis and we'll just go, what's the weirdest conspiracy theory you've heard recently? And then we'll dive into it. And it's not about to figure out if it's right or wrong or whatever. It's just to get curious and not to go into a side tangent. But I think this is one of the biggest thirst traps that people get in life is they think they need to know things and they think that anything that isn't proven by science is not worth talking about and what i tell them is hey remember when lobotomies were like the newest hottest thing and now if you mention it you're like a psycho things change right like the light bulb was crazy until it wasn't and so for me i never know what the next light bulb is i consider everything i don't leave anything off the table you want to tell me about flat earth tell me all about it doesn't mean i'm going to believe it but i'm I'm going to hear your story out because at the end of the day, there's this, there's this line I heard that really, uh, really you know, illuminated a lot for me, which was, you know, you should never be bored in life, right? And immediately I'm like, okay, like buying the ticket, taking the right end of this article. And they were basically like, if you're bored ever, it's because either you're not allowing yourself to be as weird as fuck as you are because everyone's weird as hell, or you're afraid of the other person like not feeling like they can be weird. Like if you're bored in a conversation, it's because one of you is just not being weird as hell. Like we're all such strange creatures. And that's why I love talking about conspiracy theories. I love plant medicines. I love all the stuff that reminds me how weird I am and how weird life is, because that is once again, another one of the magical sauces I have found of life is remembering that everything here is wild and weird. Super fucking weird, dude. It's so weird. Like we're on a planet allegedly like, I mean, what do we really know? We don't really know anything. We can, we can think we know, we can choose to believe things that make our experience of life great and grand. That's why I say. I don't try to know anything. I know that I don't know anything because if I don't know anything, then everything is on the table and I can be open-minded. I can choose to believe something. I can have a belief system. And then if something else that I hear challenges that belief system and I like that more, I choose to believe that. And I think that's one of the biggest thirst traps people get into. And that's one of the things that you and Eddie allowed me to feel very safe with. It's like, we, we're, just, we're just here for the ride. Like I don't care to know anything. I'm just here to speak what I feel is my truth at that time. And my truth is always subject to change because it's my subjective truth, right? And so it's very interesting, man. And that's why I love you and Eddie in my life, man, because you guys, you you incentivize me to be as weird as possible. I mean, I remember the first lake house. Dude, I had the most epic conversation of my life with Adam Chin, first time I met him, Chris Marhefka, Leo Savage, and Clayton uh, Miller. We were in your living room 
right next to the door that goes on to the sun porch. And we had probably a four hour long conversation, like no joke about aliens, Chris's alien stories, the ethereal extreme sporter story. I got to tell that. And that was when I literally bonded with those guys for the first time. And that's when I knew I'm like, this is my fucking crew. Like these guys are awesome. And so, yeah, I think be weird, you know, so powerful. I like, I like the mental exercise of considering things Mm. as opposed to knowing things. I was out in the, the, the apple orchard yesterday drinking a Guinness mm. and the buds are just coming out on the trees. I'm in awe. What in the hell is this thing? A yes. tree. It is just, just looking at it. It's, it's just fascinating and weird. And, and, you know, I got a story about it, but my story's not the thing, you know? <laughs> yes. It's this thing that six months we got apples. Yeah. It's crazy. Dude, you know, it's fascinating, man. Like, This is why I love psychedelics because some of the most healing journeys in my life have literally been when I take mushrooms or some LSD and I walk out into the woods and I just stare at bark for like four hours. And I keep asking myself, what is this? And I go, it's bark. I'm like, yeah, but what is bark? Like, well, it's the skin of a tree, right? Or whatever language I'm using. I'm like, but what is even skin? What is a tree? And then I start going down some, like by the end, I'm like, I don't know anything. I literally don't know anything. Those are some of my favorite experiences, right? Those times where you can literally like, start to look at your software and hardware and laugh at it because you're like, uh, this is just like you said, it's a story, right? Even to talk about language, we could say a tree is a tree. But if you say that to someone in Korea, they're like, I don't understand what you're saying, right? If they don't know English. And so it's interesting to think about how even though we might all see a tree and who knows how we even see it. I mean, it could be different depending on each because we all have individual realities. But like even just the language changes the whole entire idea of what we see to be something we know, you know, or quote unquote, know. And so it's, it's fascinating, man. This is, this is one of my favorite rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah, dude. Psychedelics, man. It's, you get a second opinion on reality. Yeah. Just, you know, that is what it, it's, you're getting a second opinion. Yeah. And have you ever met anyone that said, I wish I never got that second opinion? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. It's like, it's the, <laughs> it's, it's the other way around. Yeah. Next question mm-hmm. is, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, dude. Great question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me right now. I feel like people are going to really <laughs> looking for this answer to be accurate. It's, it's, it's an important question. I wrote it. I have a list of questions. Yes. Like, like we knew we were doing this interview, of course. And dude. yesterday I, I wrote out questions. This is, a, this is a real question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Dude. Do I have the answer? No. <laughs> no, dude, I don't. I believe it is. And I'll tell you why. Because what is a sandwich? To what I quote unquote know, a sandwich consists of constituents, and one of those constituents is bread on the outside and something on the interior. Now, it's almost like a cousin of a sandwich because it's not a, well, actually, no, because part of a sandwich could be an open face sandwich, right? So if we know that, it's basically just an open face sandwich with toppings on top, depending on what toppings you like. But I do think it's a sandwich. I would say it's a sandwich. Everyone listening, your, your opinion matters. Please, <laughs> please post do the whole social media thing and chime in, you know, because this is not, this is not a closed discussion. This is an open discussion yeah. is a hot dog, a sandwich. Please, please post your, uh, your opinion and, and back it up with a, with a little bit of content in, in, in your answer. I feel like if it was any other country, they'd be like, no, but because it's America, we're going to say, fuck yeah, hot dogs, a sandwich. So I'll give the American answer, you know? Yeah. Hot dogs, a sandwich for sure. If a hot dog isn't a sandwich, then God, what's a, a good thing if a hot dog can't what be a is sandwich, a sandwich yeah well, exactly exactly and what is a sandwich yeah <laughs> so you've been 
training MMA with Slippery Pete for a little while now. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite go-to Wu-Tang Kung Fu move? Which, which, because everybody's got, you got your, you got your, got your favorites. What's your favorite? Dude, right now I'm huge into kicks because I'm finally starting to get good at them now. Because there's mm-hmm. an art form to it, right? You got to step out, mm-hmm. turn to the right, and then twist your foot as you're doing it. And now that I'm making the bag jump, dude, there's like a great feeling when uh, you get the bag jump to jump your first time. And I really like switch kicks too. And I'm not the best at switch kicks yet because I'm like my main leg is my, uh, I'm a lefty. It's very interesting, actually. I'm a, I'm a southpaw. So it's interesting to see that. I mean, I guess it would kind of make sense, but my I'm a southpaw on my legs as well, if that makes sense. And so you can ask Pete, the first switch kick I ever threw was like, thunk. like it was like the mo- like me and him just laughed for probably like two minutes after I threw my first switch kick because my other leg was getting so good. And he's like, all right, try a switch kick. And I was just like, uh, okay. And threw one and it was just like, it was hilarious. So yeah, I'd say kicks right now. But also, I fucking love the boxing aspect of it too. Because sometimes we'll do boxing days. Because you know, like MMA and things like that will beat you up. So some days I come in and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm flying tomorrow. And we just do boxing because I don't want to be like my hips all to be annihilated when I get on a plane. Being 6'5 sure. and getting on an airplane alone is brutal enough. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say kicks are my favorite. It's just, there's something primal about like just the thought of like someone trying to mess with you and you throwing a kick at them and them just not being ready for it. And like just the shock and awe of that is just amazing. So I love kicks, man. They're my favorite. I'm using the word if consciously. (laughs) If I come to this year's July 3rd party, will your mother make me a white Russian? Oh my God, 100%. I've already told her about it. She's counting on you being here because when she met you that time, you were at her house. Like She was like, wow, Mark's so amazing. And uh, don't tell her I told you this, but she thinks you're hot too. So, you know, that's part of the thing too. And I was like, well, hey, what if I can get Mark to come here and drink bright Russians with you? She's like, oh my God, her and Anne were like, yes, please. And so it's funny because, you know, most of my friends, like they all love my mom. You know, we've all been super close. A lot of my longtime friends, my, my parents' house is always the party house. So whenever they come here, they're always connecting with her. A lot of like the people I'm with, they don't, they don't drink, right? And so she's not used to someone in this new circle of people that I'm in. I mean, it's not even new circle. I mean, pretty much all my club friends, everyone, no one really drank. Uh, they chose cannabis or other things, but, but she was like, Mark drinks. And I was like, yeah, he loves having a drink like, or maybe five or six or whatever it ends up being. And so I'm a polished be, Guinness drinker. Yeah, dude, hundred percent. She just loved your energy when you were here. And so it would literally make her fucking day and you would have the best white Russians you ever had. I mean, she is a pro. She was a bartender for yeah. years, dude. Like she's, this is like how I am with cannabis. She is with alcohol, right? Like she's just amazing at making all these things. And again, I don't drink. So throughout the years, I've, I've had her make me a drink here and there when I was experimenting at younger ages, but alcohol just never worked for me. So she's always been looking for like someone <laughs> that she can make drinks for. And so Anne's always been that person, but uh, she would she would love. I can guarantee you're going to have at least five or six if you come here. Pretty much as much I'll drink as you white, want. Rus- white Russians with your mom and get some get some behind the scenes, Ryan Sprague stories, fact yes. or fiction. Next question. Fact yes. or fiction. Did your brother win the lottery? Yes, he did. And I'll tell you the story about it too. Cause it's a cool story that goes along with my brother is such a great guy. He's one of the luckiest dudes I've ever met in my life. He'll have some dark challenges, like not with himself or anything, just some fucked up shit that happens, but he always ends up way better on the other side of it. I love being positive, right? And not like toxic positivity. Like I still admit like, oh yeah, things are crazy right now and I'm excited to do it, right? So I still feel my feelings, knew all that. But my dad was the same way. My dad, when the recession hit and the business was plundering, 
you know, he'd always find enough money to be like, Hey, let's go, let's go for a ride. Right. Let's go, let's go do something. Let's go to the beach. Let's go have fun. Right. So he was always positive. My brother has that too. And so it's a trait between my dad, my brother and I, my brother had gone through some challenges and he ended up living at my mom's for a little while. So he was starting at like square one and my brother and I, we've been super close my whole life. He's my stepbrother technically, but I just, I mean, he's my brother, you know, and he's always been in the scratch tickets. Like my dad was nothing crazy, but you know, he'll buy some when he's got the cash. He was working with my neighbor at this point, uh, my, my, the neighbor of my mom's place and, uh, my buddy, Eddie, who's another one of my best friends ever. I grew up next to triplets. So it was amazing. They're two years younger <laughs> than me. And so it was great. Cause I had three brothers that got to go home every night and I had my own bedroom. It was the best thing ever. Highly recommend 10 out of 10. And so he was working with Eddie doing some construction stuff. He ended up getting enough money, bought himself a new truck because something had happened to his truck. I won't reveal personal details, but something had happened to his truck. Like I said, starting at square one, got a truck, got this job, was feeling good, had some stuff to do to get his house back. And so he's working through all that stuff, doing great. One day, every Tuesday, when I was working at the dispensary, I used to go down to Plymouth and get a massage from this guy who was amazing, like one of the best I've ever had body work from that does myofascial. And so I was leaving uh, the massage. It was like, uh, it was probably right around this time. It was like April. And so it was around seven o'clock when I was leaving. Sun was setting. Um, I was driving down the highway. And I start looking at, maybe I wasn't driving, wink, wink. And I, I get a text from him that was like, dude, bro, I think I just won a million dollars. And I hear Eddie in the background, like, holy shit, dude, he won a million dollars. And immediately I'm like, what the hell? So I called and he's like in the shock period where he's like, yeah, I don't, um, I think I won a million dollars. And that's like, all he could keep saying was like, I think, yeah, I think I won a million dollars. And I could hear my mom in the background, like, Ryan, he won a million dollars. Holy crap. And Eddie's freaking out. And so long story short, he ended up buying a $30 ticket on the way home from work ended up winning a million dollars, ended up being able to get his house back and literally just like crushed his life. I mean, he's just having a blast now that he's moving to Maine soon. Ended up getting like, my brother is the classic 80s archetype, which is why I love him so much because I'm huge in 80s metal and whatnot. Like when the dirt came out, he was living at my mom's. So we watched that together, the Motley Crue movie. My buddy Eddie next door is huge in 80s. So like the first thing he did was he bought a, uh, a Jeep SRT8 like an older one, he got a sick deal on it too. He actually just sold it for way more than he bought it for. But I think it had straight pipes on it. Had like 700 mm. horsepower. It was super charged. thing was insane. It was ridiculous. Loud as a motherfucker. Dude, he literally never got an inspection sticker on it once. It, could, it wouldn't pass. He just kept getting rejected and just doing it every time so he could be legal. <laughs> and like literally, I mean, he couldn't even drive without getting pulled over. So he ended up selling it. But it was just like, it was such a fun time, man. And so yeah, he, he really won the lottery. It was wild. And funny story, my dad, he uh, won 50 grand before at Mohegan Sun. He also won 10 grand. Like my family is Something's wild. Up. Yeah, is wild with with gambling because they would like to gamble. Like my dad would go to Mohegan a couple times a year and go wild, but he would always come back up. Same with my brother, right? My brother would buy some tickets, be down about 300, win a thousand the next week. And when my brother won that million, he also ended up winning five grand, probably like six other times in the next three months. Like no joke. He, I mean, it was, it was wild. So yeah, they got lucky horse shows up their ass or something like that. I don't know what the hell's going on, but yeah, there's definitely something there. <laughs> okay, good. We have five more questions left. Dude, let's go. Why do you feel cannabis could change the world? Oh, dude. Great question. So I just did a post on this the other day. So it's said right now that we're going through an epidemic of quote unquote loneliness. And really, I think loneliness is the result of a much deeper issue which is the inability for most people in the world right now to connect deeply to themselves, aka their own mission, 
those they love and the world around them at large, right? You think about everything, like especially after the pandemic, most people meet through Zoom. They're either scared to go out. Even before the pandemic, right? People are going to office buildings. They're like, you know, they're working their life away. They're, you know, doing these things. They have an inability to connect. They're not connected to their food. They're not connected to each other. Even if they're hanging out with each other, they're not really asking themselves deep questions because they're afraid of being weird, all these things. Cannabis is the ultimate connection medicine. And I truly believe this. Next to food, it's the ultimate connection. And coincidence that it goes together with food like peas in a pod? I think not. But the other thing is, in order for cannabis to be able to help in this way, it's going to need a reimagination. And that's why we made Connect with Cannabis, because the way that people have been using cannabis, the majority, not everyone, because there are definitely people out there that use it in the way that I teach, but the majority, and I can tell you this working in a dispensary, the majority of people are using cannabis to numb out, right? They're using it the same way they'd use alcohol, the same way they'd use prescription pills, anything else, right? It's just not nearly as destructive to the human body. And that's why no one's really focused on it. But most people are coming in, they hate their job, they hate you know, something about their life. And they're like, weed's what makes me happy. And so they buy it, but they don't know they're unconsciously sabotaging themselves because they're actually disconnecting with the plant because they're not giving the plant a direction. And so I really feel that when people understand how to interact with cannabis, with intention, with ceremony and integrate it, which can be fun, like none of this has to be quote unquote work. It can be fun as hell. And I can give some examples, but when people understand how to do this, think about this, right? Psilocybin, ayahuasca, all these things, they're amazing. But to do ayahuasca, you got to go to a jungle, right? Or you got to take a week out of your life and go do something. Psilocybin, you got to take time off, right? You might be a a father, a husband, a mother, a wife, you know, a business owner, all these things. It's hard, especially like, you know, and everyone listening, owning a business, it's hard to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to take a week off to go interact with plant medicines. You don't know how long it's going to take for you to integrate. Hopefully you're even thinking about that to begin with, but it's going to take a lot of time. Cannabis is already everywhere. It's the least stigmatized. It's the most available, right? In most states, you don't have to go through a shady drug dealer. You can go get it at a registered dispensary. There's more information out and more science coming out every day on it. And it's able to be done in your living room five minutes before you have to put your kid to bed, for instance, right? And so long as you're being responsible with it, you're not going to be so far out that you can't live a normal life. And so when people learn how to use it in a way that's going to help them gain self-awareness, which isn't always easy, but I can tell you, having gone through this journey and taught so many people doing this, When you learn how to use cannabis in this way, it totally changes. It's not even the same plant anymore. And it's it's able to help you release emotion. It's able to help you discover yourself. It's able to help you connect you to the divine or whatever you want to call it, your higher self. It is literally the missing piece of the puzzle. That's what I truly believe. And so it's going to take a reimagination. And that's why I'm so excited about what we're doing Connect with Cannabis. But I really feel that it can and will change the world because it's already everywhere. It's accessible. It's able to be done when you still have a busy life, right? And the great thing about cannabis is that unlike a lot of these medicines, now, of course, you could have the argument for microdosing and these types of things. But the idea is that when you interact with cannabis, especially for like spiritual work, a lot of the times I'm only taking a couple hits where I go just above my normal consciousness, right? So I'm still like totally able to do a podcast or whatever else, but I'm connected to something a little bit higher up. And then what I can learn is, okay, this feeling, let me actually write down what this feels like. And let me now find things. This is an example of how it helps you connect more. Now I've experienced this high, right? And that's what, like, literally it's called getting high, right? Like, so you experience this high, this effect. And then what most people do is they're just like, wow, that was amazing. I need to smoke more now because I don't feel that way. What most people don't do is they actually get clear on what they felt and what else in their life, what memories, what things they've done have helped them feel like that before. It's a breadcrumb trail. Cannabis is your objective check-in of how it feels to feel good 
And then you can go, what makes me feel like this? And then you're going to start surrounding yourself with the right people, eating the right food, going to bed at the right time and doing all of these things because you realize, wow, when I do those things, I already feel high. I don't necessarily need the plant to help me do that. And this is like what Terrence McKenna talks about when he says, you know, when you get the message, you can hang up the phone for a little while. Like that's why I don't interact with cannabis every day. I interact a couple of times per week because a lot of the time I'm, I'm integrating what I learned the past weekend when I interacted with it. And so all of that has helped me connect so much deeper. And you know, at the lake house, like what centerpiece has the most people around it most of the time? It's the volcano. And like, I mean, for everyone listening, volcanoes are vaporizing. You know, like some of the best conversations I've ever had have been when we've set a group intention, like literally to have an amazing conversation. It can be that simple. We interact with cannabis and then we just talk and we literally have a, like a four hour long conversation. And then at the end of that, we really know each other a little bit more. We know ourselves more and we know each other more. And then we can call on those people because they know us at a deeper level. And when we need help, we can call on them when we know they got our back. And so it's, it's fascinating, man, but I really feel it will chill. It can and will change the world if we allow it to. Fantastic answer. Hell yeah. <laughs> Next question. question. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's go. Why is Frankie always known as Frankie always? So I don't actually know the legitimate reason, but I can speak to what I've experienced. He is always Frankie. And, and that's what I imagine is why he's called Frankie always. Like that kid does not change no matter who he's around. And that's why I love him so much. He's got the Kanye effect. Dude's a rock star. And he's just, he's one of the funniest individuals I've ever met. And it's not because he's cracking jokes, right? It just, his spirit is so funny. He's a laughable, enjoyable person. And he's always himself, no matter what's going on. Like I've done some hilarious experiences with him where I remember there was one time where we were in a deep journey. You know, someone was telling him because he was laughing a lot and having a blast. And someone said, Frankie, feel, you know, like he was saying that he's like, oh, I feel like I'm feeling some pain or whatever. And they were like, feel it here. They put their hand in his heart and he goes, okay, okay. Oh, you mean real pain. And it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Cause like, it's just, that's who he is, you know, at the, at the heart of it, he is one of the funniest individuals I've ever met. And he's just always himself. So that's, that's the answer I would give. And I haven't actually asked him, but now I'm curious to ask him too, but that's, I I feel like that's the answer. Sounds legit. Why are AK-47s so much cooler than ARs? <laughs> oh, dude, where do I even begin? All right, let me try to come up with an analogy for this. Okay, so an AR is kind of like having a BMW or a Mercedes, and I have a Mercedes. So what I can tell you about it is they're fun, but you always got to watch out. You can't just smash into a shopping cart. You got to like be careful. You're always worried about it, whatever, right? And it's kind of flashy. An AK is like a Buick Grand National, right? Where it's just like, you know, it's 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 got some, you know, dirty paint on it. You're not worried if, you know, you hit something, but that thing fucking screams. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I mean, dude, funny story about Buick Grand Nationals. They had to update cop cars when those things came out because they were beating all the cop cars out in the 80s. And so I feel like that's exactly what happened with AKs. They're like, dude, you can throw these things in sand. You can cover them in mud and they still shoot. Like, we got to figure out something about this. And you can't fix perfect. The AKs have been around for so long. And they're still at the forefront, you know? And dude, the other thing too, is it's just fucking cool holding an AK-47. And for everyone uh, listening, I've had some amazing experiences with Mark down in Virginia uh, shooting some AKs. And dude, the power of that is just, I mean, it's one of the coolest feelings ever. It makes me feel like what I imagine, once again, Tommy Lee felt every time he got on stage with Molly Crew in the 80s. I'm just like, this is badass. (laughs) Facts. Yes. What's your favorite and lifted lake house story. Ooh. Okay. Let's see. Oh, uh, all right. 
I'll leave some certain details out to not, you know, incriminate or anything, but the best story ever that I feel, and it's hard because there's, there's quite a few. I'll actually tell two because I'm a rule breaker. So I'll tell two. One was when you took us to an arcade in a limousine in tracksuits. And for everyone listening, this was one of the funniest stories because I'm talking like we had probably like 20 coaches there, like high level gangster coaches. And Mark, your whole thing is tracksuits. So we all had these custom tracksuits and you got a limousine for us. And we went to an arcade in, uh, in like a, what, what part of Virginia was that? Was that, was that Smith Mountain Lake? Smith Mountain Lake. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I can imagine, right. That people from Smith Mountain Lake are not used to seeing 20 like unit, like jacked people in track suits going to an arcade that are all like in their late twenties, early thirties, or maybe even deeper into their you know age. And so we get out of this limousine. I don't know if it was the person who was part of the limo thing, but they're taking pictures of us getting out. It was like wild. And so we go into this arcade. We have an absolute blast in there. Then we go to get Mexican food next door. And I remember Ryan Walla went to the bathroom and he's walking by and Ryan Walla's got a cool swag to him. He's walking by this table of like, you know, just these like, you know, typical Virginia people, like really nice Southern, just like type hospitality feel. And he has one of the, he hears one of the older gentlemen, like talk to his wife. He goes, there goes another one of them. Oh, those guys are so cool. And like, literally Ryan was like, yes. And so that's one of my favorite stories. The other one is the first lake house ever. Leo Savage. That kid is absolutely hilarious. He was sprinting around. We might've been in uh, an interesting state of mind and he was just sprinting all night. I mean, like to a level where he would come in, we were having that epic conversation I was talking about earlier, me, Chris, Adam, and Clayton Miller. And he would come up periodically, right? Come in after sprint, like literally looking like he just ran a marathon. He'd be sitting there beating up with sweat, just like breathing heavy and being like, wow, this is amazing. This is so much fun. I'm going to go sprint again. And in his own words, he's like, man, I was trying to blow something out. Like I was just going for it. Like, and it was just the funniest thing. No matter what time of night you went out, you'd see Leo running sprints around the house. That was another fun thing. Actually, I have a third story. And that is when you came down at 1130. Ryan Wall is on the phone with his wife, right? And, his, and I don't know if his kids were there, whatever. And you go, hey, we're all jumping in the lake in 10 minutes. And Ryan goes, oh, Mark, it's cold out there. And you go, shut the fuck up, right? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we all run out to the lake and we jump in this lake at like 11, 11.30 at night. You're like, we're swimming across this lake. And it's like a pretty big lake. And I remember Kim was there. I forget who else was in the water at the time because not everyone went, but I was like, screw it, I'm going. We ended up getting into this lake. And I mean, it, it wasn't super cold. I think it was in October. So it wasn't super cold, but it was still pretty cold. And we're like swimming across this lake. And like, I'm like, wow, I have not swam in a long time. Like, can I do this? And I think I made it halfway across the lake. I don't know if you guys made it across the whole lake, but it was one of the most fun. Like, it made me feel like I was 12 again, like where it was just like inner child on fleek, like absolute blast. So that I couldn't pick one. Those are my three favorite stories right there. <laughs> Did I mention we're getting the whole month of October? Oh, yes, dude. I am so excited. Goes. You know, I'll be there. Are you going to do Halloween there too? Yes. Because that would be friggin' fun. Yes, that would. <laughs> Last question. Yes. As an original and lifted level three coach, what's the number one most important start here piece of advice for new people that are new to the power of the power of words conversation? I would honestly say connect with your breath because nothing else can come unless you connect with your breath. Because if you're upregulated, 
right? It's not necessarily a bad thing, but what it does is it doesn't exactly make you aware of how language feels because there is a difference in how it feels. When you say, oh, I have to go do laundry first, I get to do laundry. When you say I get to do laundry, this is just a random example. There's an energetic frequency or, or resonance that you can feel where you're like, I am the creator of my life. I get to do this mm-hmm. because I'm choosing to go do this. So I would say the foundation of everything is getting aware of your breath. And one of the ways that I do this, and this is actually, um, do you know Will Burnett? Such a gangster, dude. This kid is amazing. If he hasn't gone through and lifted yet, uh, I'm sure he will be in soon. But him and Brady Brewer have a program called Inflow. And he does breath work in a unique way. One of the things he recommended to me was doing nasal breathing for 10 minutes every morning, just straight in and out, not fast or anything, just like big breath in, big breath out, you know, type thing. And I do that before I get on a podcast. I actually have space in between my words. And just like how they say music is actually the silence in between the notes, I really feel Mm. like what makes language powerful is the silence in between your words, your inflection, things like that. And so if you have your breath in control, you can then actually have awareness and control over how your words come out. They don't come out like episode one for me with Eddie Madden, where it's just machine gun fire, right? They actually come out precise and accurate and like a poem, right? Like like an art form. And so it all starts with the breath. Congratulations on doing 100 podcasts, buddy. Hell yeah, man. Thank you so much for honoring me with your presence of hosting, man. This is rad as hell. (laughs) Super fun. Super fun. Ladies, gentlemen, give Ryan some love on the social media. Send him a text. He puts a lot of great energy, time, mental real estate into bringing very quality guests to you all to enrich your life with great storytelling and wisdom. Uh, it's been a pleasure to to interview you today, Ryan. Congratulations. Thank you, man. Woof. To the gods. We're only just getting started. <laughs> We're just getting started. Have a great uh, have a great day, evening, morning out there everybody. Thank you for listening and it's a wrap. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage 
professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.